Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Religious liberty is under constant attack worldwide. People, nations, churches, organizations, denominations, they all must face a barrage of unbelief or different beliefs or simply no belief. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to handle when our faith is challenged not only by someone next door, but whole nations and the governments that run them. Lincoln Steed is here. Lincoln Steed is editor of Liberty Magazine, and he's here to share some thoughts on this topic. Lincoln, what do we need to know? Well, it's more of a discussion point. Mm -hmm. I think it's a given that outside the majority of Western countries around the world, there's a world of hurt on religious practice. Yes. And it's not just Muslim countries, although I have to say that they're some of the worst offenders. But, you know, if it's India with the Hindus and some Buddhists, if it's in Asia with Buddhists and so on, almost everywhere, the majority group are inclined and are actively persecuting and harassing the minority religions. So, you know, we see that. What's seldom thought about, and we've got an article in Liberty that looks a little bit more closely at that, is there a correlation or is it a lockstep situation between the laws that those countries may have and the way the people act toward minority faiths? It's an interesting study. That, you know, I can't go into full depth on the radio, but suffice it to say, it's not an accurate correlation. There may be horrific persecution in the communities in some of these countries, and yet their laws are quite benign. Mm. If the laws are benign and there's persecution, where do we put the blame on this? The article said that it was inconclusive. Mm. I think you can think a little beyond the box and maybe come to some conclusions. Obviously, unless you're dealing with a pure dictatorship of a very small faction or at worst, well, it's really one individual, even in a dictatorship. But unless it's, it's a small faction that are not representative, you have to say there's some connection between the laws and the community. Yes. Maybe in another program we can talk about the persecution in Pakistan. Yes. And most recently uh, a woman was released after a long imprisonment and the threat of execution for blasphemy. Yeah. Now the courts in that country are generally quite lenient and rational, but the community is a bloodlust for anyone that's, that's mm-hmm. accused of being uh, disrespectful to their majority religion. We have sort of like that here in this country where we have, you know, the federal government doing its thing and then the state's rights trying to do their thing. When there is a conflict, how is the best way to resolve that if the state tells you one thing and the federal government tells you other? And there are examples of that. Well, you're right. You've uncorked the real can of beans for the United States. The U.S. federal constitution is well thought out. It's designedly protective of all religion, but neutral not a religious document in any way, or shape, form, or manner. And the First Amendment says the government should be out of the religion business and not impede the practice of religion. But on the state's levels, it's a really mixed bag. For example, in Alabama, you know, the state of the infamous Chief Justice Roy Moore, (laughs) where he uh, 
put himself on the on the wrong side of federal law mostly and the judicial laws when he was chief justice by bringing in the Ten Commandments and posting them and so on. Well, recently, that state adopted the Ten Commandments as an official part of their constitution. You know, that that is so antithetical to the federal law that I don't really know how it will end. But it reflects how a large part of the community in that state, even if they're not personally very religious, will literally fight to have their state government of a religious nature and recommending their form of religion. Well, you know, you can go clear back to the Civil War and talk about states and the federal government at odds with each other. You were saying at the beginning of the program that the federal government is supposed to be sort of neutral, and does that then allow or even motivate states to have their own take on things? Because if you look at the demographics of this country and the present political situation, it is the South, it is the religious South, it is the conservative religious South, which is driving a lot of what the federal government is trying to do, or at least that's the way it appears to me. The the proverbial Bible belt, aren't they? Yes, yes. But the state versus federal thing is really a little different than you said, because What you were alluding to is that several states tried to secede from the Union. So there was a challenge to the Union. But in reality, because of the Civil War, the states legally, I think it's the 14th Amendment, by the 14th Amendment, they now have to be in harmony with Mm. federal law, where before that there was the semblance of of independence by each state, at least on some aspects of law. Right, right. So if we as Christians are living in a state and uh, we like the state's laws better than we like the neutrality and the, and the mamsy-pamsy of the federal government, how far can we go to try to change the federal government to match our state's laws? Well, this has been uh, the fear of many, in my church at least, working with the religious liberty for a hundred years or more that people would move on the federal government to change the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And isn't that happening? Don't we see that happening today? Well, they're wanting to change it, but it's a very hard thing to have a constitutional change because, uh, as I remember, I think it's two-thirds or more, or or almost all of the states have to agree. It's not something you just snap your fingers and get or or have a little discussion in Congress and and it's through. It's it's a drawn-out nationwide process. And very unlikely. But what's going on now, when you have a state like uh, Alabama that's, that's changing mm-hmm. their laws really improperly, right. they're threatening the integrity of the federal law. Uh, we'll, we'll soon break down, in this regard at least. And I think this is very analogous to what we're talking about in these countries where there's direct overt persecution of Christians and others. But sometimes the laws are okay. But it sort of argues that the laws are drifting toward irrelevancy because the population have taken matters into their own hands. And that can really bring you to an ungovernable state. And then worse, you could have rulers like Nero, a Roman emperor, that pretty much acted in an aggressive, violent, persecutory way just to placate the population. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I see two things here. Either you have a rule of law or you have a dictatorship. Maybe there's a third, or you have the state trying to run things, the people gathering together and lighting bonfires and making decisions. Which of those three is where we need to be, Lincoln? Well, another road. (laughs) I'm arguing 
that we need to pay careful attention to what's happening with the citizenry. Mm. It's not a great security to have good laws and a system that seems fine if your citizenry are rumbling and mumbling and thinking mm. totally opposite. Yes. They not only will go out and lynch or burn heretics, but they might eventually tear down the legal structure as well, which is not going to help the civil state at all. Right. I think it's an incipient collapse of the whole order. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's a hard thing to prove, for example, back to Pakistan, that it's a largely ungovernable country. And religion and the religious persecution and some of these wild acts against people that supposedly profane the prophet and blaspheme, and then they're given a death penalty, that's a sign of a, of a very ineffectual, weak, and perhaps already under collapse system. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm with you here. So when you look at a country like Pakistan and you say, boy, when the people go crazy, the country goes crazy. Then you look at other countries that have dictatorships and, well, the people have no say. Here in this country, United States, we're supposed to be we the people. We're supposed to be running things and the government works for us. How do we find in this world any kind of consensus among the people who we are to come up with any kind of rule of law or any kind of system that we can all live under and prosper under and benefit from? How do we do that? <laughs> you almost answered the question. In the case of the United States, there's not a divine document, but a constitution that was worked out over quite a few years of okay. debate and, right. and plebiscite and all the rest between the 13 colonies. It was freshened up after the Civil War, yes. and while the Supreme Court are always tinkering with what it means, it's not a bad system, mm -hmm. and it would be very bad for a new generation in the United States to think that they need to move on and make something up else for themselves. That's what I was hinting at before. Yes. That's the sign of, of an incipient collapse of the present order. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about religious liberty... And it's been said, and I've said it, that religious liberty is one of the first liberties. You can pretty much tell the state of all civil liberties by how it's treated. So if we start to rethink that, as far as rethinking law, probably the whole edifice is creaky. Mm. And uh, the social contract might even be in danger of breaking down. That's why... That's why, Lincoln Steed, you and your magazine and the church you belong to so many red flags go up when anyone has any kind of input about getting rid of or altering or changing or adjusting or doing away with the Constitution and the religious liberty that it ensures. Am I on the right track saying that? Right. Or put it another way, given that the First Amendment and all that went with it in our history has worked very well to protect all religion. Yes. I mean, yes. that's undeniable. Religious practices is well protected and very dynamic in the U.S. By definition, if you want to change or question what is, like, for example, many of our fellow religionists spit on the idea of the separation of church and state, yeah. I say that's tantamount to saying let's forsake the whole protective mechanism, and by, by definition, it'll likely be the opposite. Yeah. 
religious persecution or, or marginalization followed by persecution. There you go. That is what this magazine is all about. And Lincoln Steed, I've known you for years and done these programs with you for years. And that is a consistent, persistent message. Yeah. It's a principle of advertising. You've got to stick to the message. Stick to the message. Absolutely. <laughs> and what you're that's doing, the man. one that we want people to get clear on. Yeah, that's the one we want people <laughs> to get clear on. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. LibertyMagazine.org is the website. You can listen to these programs. You can read Lincoln's uh, editorials. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can convince you in a, in a future program to read a letter that you recently got from a judge on one of your editorials. And I think it speaks volumes of what you are trying to do and how you are doing it successfully. So, listeners, stay tuned for that. In an upcoming program, I'm going to have him read that letter. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>